Hey, it's Brendan Gennetti, host of the Music You're Missing podcast. I'm back with another episode of Music Industry Experts. In this special series, I'm speaking with artist managers, A&R professionals, festival founders, music supervisors, and other thought leaders in the music industry. They'll be sharing their insights and expertise to help independent artists and young professionals thrive. Hey, it's Brendan Gennetti, and you're listening to Music Industry Experts, a special episode of the Music You're Missing podcast. Ever since we started this series, our listeners have been requesting that we speak with a tour manager, and I'm happy to share with you that today is the day. We're about to be joined with Maggie Kimbrough, who I met when one of my favorite pop artists, Emlyn, came by the Music You're Missing studio in Boston. Maggie has done it all in the touring world. She's been on the road as a VIP manager, a photographer, and as TMs for Emlyn, Charlotte Sands, Arlie, and Elise Trell. Maggie's going to tell us about the role of a tour manager, what it actually entails, how she got started, and give advice to both independent artists looking to hit the road, as well as aspiring tour professionals. Now, before we get Maggie on the line, this is just a quick reminder that if you like what you hear, to please rate the Music You're Missing podcast five stars wherever you're listening. I know it's corny to ask, but the more five-star ratings we get, the higher likelihood our episodes get playlisted, which means more exposure for the amazing artists and industry experts that we feature. Also, you can stay up to to date with all things music you're missing by following us on instagram at music you're missing or head over to music you're missing.org now i'm so excited to bring you maggie kimbrough on music you're missing i'm so happy that we met when you were in town for emlyn yes oh my gosh she's the best i miss her so much did you know emlyn before you hit the road with her the way that normally works is a lot of tour management tour managing gigs are word of mouth so i actually New. Did you meet Natalie, who was opening for Emlyn on that tour? Natalie yes, Madigan? Yes, love her. Okay, I knew her, um, or knew of her. We have a mutual best friend, um, and we're all from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, like Natalie and my friend and uh, and I. Um, so I was really stoked to see that she was on that tour, but I had no context for who Emlyn was going into that run. And her booking agent, um, who's wonderful. Her name's Marissa Smith and she's based out of Nashville. And I had worked with her on a previous tour. And so she reached out to me and she kind of jokingly will call me sometimes and be like, Oh, Maggie Kimbrough's employment agency. Like I have a, a gig that I want you to interview for. Um, so she was kind enough to send my information over to Emlyn's team. And I did an interview with them and got hired. Um, funnily enough, Emlyn and I would joke all the time about how I didn't think I was going to get the job and she didn't think she was going to hire me because I accidentally slept through our first meeting. So when I interviewed with her team, I I like completely just was like blacked out, so exhausted on an off day and like missed a meeting. Um, but she was kind enough to reschedule it. So it ended up working out great. <laughs> it's actually really funny being a tour manager and like punctuality definitely being like one of the biggest skills you need to have she was so sweet about it and then we were joking going into the tour and she was like don't make me late for anything after you miss that meeting and i was like i promise i learned my lesson that show was genuinely so like awesome i it's really weird for me specifically to like know these artists through the internet um really only and then to actually see them perform is so rare and it was so cool totally i was really really impressed by her i still am all the time she's got some lungs she can sing and uh is puts on a show that i would always say i feel like is um the show itself feels like it's meant for a a bigger stage or a bigger scale it's really dialed and and she absolutely kills it yeah that's actually a great way to put it like the production value was was high and also such a great venue too love sonia totally that was a fun one 
So, I mean, obviously I mentioned that we met because you are were the tour manager for Emlyn. How did you even get involved in in tour managing and like what experience what did your experience look like before you started? Yeah, so I hope that anybody that listens to this that's interested in tour managing is inspired by how I got into it because I I hear different stories from every single person that TMs. And mine is a weird one. I started doing photography when I was living in Oregon. I'm actually originally from Tennessee. So I'm from Nashville area. Um, And I moved out to Oregon for part of college. And it's so beautiful there. I had never experienced anything like it. So I started shooting photos. I just got, got a cheap camera. Started shooting with friends on road trips and then ended up getting into kind of like weddings and elopements and second shooting for photographers that I wanted to learn from. And when COVID hit, I had been doing that for about a year and moved back to Tennessee for a little bit to kind of reset. I took a pause on college, thought I was going to go back, ended up not going back. Um, But in different parts of the country, uh, you know, COVID regulations were really, really different. And in the Northwest, yeah, in the Northwest, um, it was pretty intense. And, you know, I'd only, I'd only been in Oregon for like a year and a half, two years and just wanted to be home. So go back to Nashville. And to my surprise, there are still some smaller shows happening and people are still out and about doing things. Everyone was wearing masks and, and things were still pretty intense, but I moved back to Nashville the summer of 2021. And I was like, okay, I grew up going to shows. I love music. It would be so fun to take these skills that I learned and get to apply them and like eventually maybe work in the music industry and get to be around artists that I love all the time for my job. Um, And so I wanted to start learning to shoot concerts and had done some content sessions for different artist friends throughout the summer. I would come to LA to visit and I actually live in LA now, but at the time I would visit friends and I would hit up different artists on Instagram that were smaller. uh, And I'd look at their social media and see if they looked like they maybe needed some promotional content. And I would DM them and be like, Hey, can I shoot for you? Like, I'd love to do some photos for free and add them to my portfolio. So I did that for a bit, moved back to Nashville, have that content experience, but have never shot a show before. And my friend Gatlin, who actually just finished her first ever headline tour. She's amazing. She's um, also another one that's just like insane yeah. talented. Oh, she's so good. She was one of the first people to take a chance on me. So we worked together um, when we were both out in LA um, and did some stuff and she like some photo stuff. And she ended up using a picture I took of her on the beach in Malibu for cover art for one of her songs, What If I Love You, but the stripped version uh, that she released. And so when I moved back to Nashville and she had moved back to Nashville, we were kind of in communication and she had a show and was like, Hey Maggie, why don't you come shoot for me? And I remember showing up with my camera and having no idea like where I was allowed to go or where I should stand and like how to get into the venue. And, um, it was hilarious, but all that to say, I started shooting shows and within a month or two, I got really lucky. And I think just kept showing up and met the right people and got a tour offer to go on the road with Dude Perfect, the YouTubers. That, that, that's a great oh, first gig. Yeah, it was crazy. And I realized since then that that's kind of unheard of to get to go on an arena tour for your first tour. Um, but I was on a media team. So it was me, a videographer, and then a guy that bounced between photo and video. His name is Matt Leba. Um, and Matt really trained me on 
you know, show photography. I can't call it concert photography because they do trick shots and stunts and things. Um, but I learned so, so much during those few weeks. And then, yeah, I just kind of started touring consistently. I went on the road with my friend, Georgia Webster. She was opening for Ingrid Andrus. And that one worked out because Georgia and I were already friends and she brought me along. And then uh, went out on the road with the wildlife and indie rock band. They just got off the tour with Camino, but at the time they were touring with Joan and they're some sweet friends of mine. So yeah, things kind of picked up and I learned about different roles in touring and thought, wow, it would be so fun to be the people person in the middle of all of the chaos and get to do some of the logistical stuff and really be in it. Um, on a, I guess not necessarily like a, more important level than photography because the photography stuff is so important. Um, but I just wanted to be in a role that was like super necessary. Cause I think with shooting a lot of times, you know, with, with some bands or artists, you would hear, Oh, well, we can't afford to bring someone out or, um, you know, we're only hiring local photographers or whatever. And I really loved touring. So I wanted to find a way to get to do it consistently and kind of just be right in the mix. And it's worth mentioning too, you probably take like thousands of photos every night and they might not even get used. So it's like, at least this way you can kind of like see totally. the, the fruits of your labor. Yeah. At the end of everything, I kind of had that realization and remember thinking like, where do I begin? Like I have these photography skills. I feel confident in being able to be a tour photographer, but running stuff and tour managing is like so out of my realm of expertise. And I thankfully had a TM from Dude Perfect Tour who created an online tour management course. Um, it's called, uh, I think it's called How to Be a Tour Manager, which is really cool. His name is Riley Vasquez um, and the company is called Tour Collective. But I took his class online and kept in touch with him, uh, sat down with some mentors and TMs that I looked up to, like my friend Caitlin from Georgia Webster's Tour. And she's out with Dell Water Gap now and has done some stuff with Old Crow Medicine Show. She's killing it. And she does Big Wild pretty consistently. Um, but at the time, yeah, we had met on George's tour and she sat down with me and we got coffee and I just picked her brain about a million things. And then I just kind of started saying like, all right, I'm a tour manager. If anyone wants to hire me, I would like post on social media. Hey, if anybody needs a tour manager for the fall, like I'm available. <laughs> and so my first tour ever was with Charlotte Sands. Um, right before I met you on Imlin's tour and she brought me out. I think I got connected with her through her drummer and kind of through my boyfriend at the time that knew her boyfriend at the time. And it was a whole thing. It's Nashville, but that was how I got started. Wow. Wait, so your first official managing like tour managing gig was Charlotte Sands tour. Yeah, that was a big, mm -hmm. that was like, wasn't that her first like headlining tour as well? Yeah. Um, it was her first headline run. We had a really small crew and uh, we had a bandwagon. It was like her first time on kind of a, a bus sort of thing. Yeah, I'm forever grateful that I got to have that as my first experience. It was so wonderful. You can kind of do it all if you're connected with the right folk and like willing to to learn. When you finally made that transition to being a full-blown tour manager, did you think you knew like what to do or were you like, all right, this is probably like a, a learning experience? No. Yeah. I walked into it knowing, okay, I'm going to have to be really open to feedback. And I think everyone has like, you know, varying degrees of comfortability with criticism. And I'm somebody who appreciates it, but sometimes it really like hurts my heart. And I 
I knew that going into it. I was like, okay, Maggie, you have to be prepared to be criticized or for there to be problems with your work because that comes with learning something new. And it's not going to be 100% perfect from the get-go. But yeah, thankfully, I got to work really closely with Charlotte's manager. On that tour, they knew going into it that I had never TM'd before. And Charlotte, actually, when she gave me the job offer, she called me and, and we were friends. We had hung out a few times and she just said you know, I think everybody deserves just like someone to say yes and take a chance on them. And she's like, I'm also so especially passionate about seeing women thrive in this industry and be given opportunities. And I want to do that for you now that I'm in a position to. So I'd love to have you. And it meant a lot to me. So. So what exactly does a tour manager do? For our listeners, you know, they, they might think like that's the same as an artist manager. Like, what does a tour manager actually like? What does their job entail? I mean, to put it really simply, a tour manager's job is to make sure everything goes smoothly. That's kind of what I tell people when they ask what that looks like. But the reality behind that statement is that everything going smoothly is a lot of things. So that's travel. And so it's like booking hotels and figuring out where we stay. And, you know, that can even be intense as far as looking at venues and looking at what's close to the venue and what's convenient and knowing your drive time tomorrow. So it's like really in-depth routing and planning. Um, There's the advanced process. So you're reaching out to venues um, from the second you get hired on to kind of go back and forth and talk about every individual show. Um, So you know, if you're doing a tour with 26 shows, that's 26 separate email threads you've got going with all these different venues. And you're, you know, you have to be really organized, make sure you've got the dates um, and all the information organized so you can send it out and send it back and forth. Um, and then communicating that to your crew. So the artist, the band, any other production crew and, and your team. Um, and then day of show after all of the advanced work is done, you're just kind of problem solving on your feet. If you do a good job with the advancing, you quickly learn that like the more thorough you are, the better the show goes, day of show. And um, sometimes it's really smooth and really chill. And then sometimes there are like a million things that come up that you're having to kind of deal with and sort out. So it it's a lot of different things, but for people that love variety and love, you know, never knowing what to expect when they wake up in the morning. It's a really, really fun job too. That's that's super accurate. One of my my really best friends uh, TMs and she'll hire assistants whenever she's in Boston. So she always hired me. And I will say I'm maybe not the best at the job. I'm more so there to spectate and like kind of have fun. And it's so funny, like the things that pop up that you would never even guess like would be an issue. Exactly. Yeah, that's always how it goes. And and even now um, in my off time between touring, I've kind of t- taken a break this fall from tour managing for a little bit just because I moved cities and want to be home a little bit. But I've been working um, a hospitality job at a venue in town. And on the venue side of things, it's so funny now having experienced and seen the touring side of things because I'm the person trying to help them figure out, like maybe helping the TM of whatever show that is happening that day, like figure out this random thing that came up or if they need this random weird resource or tool or you know, some sort of supplies. I'm like trying to scramble to get it. And it has been nice because I understand what it's like to be in their shoes. So I'm able to have a little bit of grace. And I'm sure they appreciate that because I've also been in those shoes and you talk to some people and it's like they have no sense of urgency or like they don't because they don't understand. It's not that they 
you know, mean ill intent. They just have never been in in that those shoes before. Yeah. If you just haven't been in that position and in someone's shoes, it's hard to know or even just to see the bigger picture of why they're maybe making silly requests or or what seem like silly requests. And it's like, no, somebody might need you to go get that one glass bottled apple juice from the store that's 30 miles away because that is the only thing that will keep the artist happy. And they're just trying to have a happy good day. You know, <laughs> I don't know that's dumb, but so yeah, when you're out tour managing, do you is there like a larger company that you're working for? Or is it like you is it specifically for like the artists? No, yeah. So I'm completely independent. Um I know that there are some different companies that will have tours come to them. So like artists and their teams will be like, okay, we're going on this tour. We want to hire someone. Who do you have that you could send out? Um, but in my experience in the last year and a half that I've been TMing, I, uh, just get gigs through friends and connections and word of mouth. And I've found that it's really important to, to stay connected and actively go to shows and, and make sure I'm just in touch with people and consistently building community so that those opportunities continue to come along. Is it a sustainable career, would you say? And, and what, how would you do Like, what do you need to do to make sure that it is a sustainable career? Yeah, I think that's actually one of the hardest parts for me and something that I don't think people realize going into it. And I can't speak from a place of working for like a tour management company. I, I think the people that do that and are are working through a company um, maybe have more consistent pay or more consistent gigs, but then there's not as much freedom. The, the downside would be like not having the freedom to choose what tours you're going on uh, as much from my understanding. But um, in my experience, I've kind of always had to get jobs when I was doing photography even as well and wanting to go on the road where they kind of know, all right, I might need to pick up and leave in a couple of weeks on a whim. And I have to be really upfront about about that um, beforehand because I, I also like to work. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me to go work for a month straight and then take like a month off. That just feels so weird. I, I don't want to sit at my house and do nothing. So um, I have found in the last year that working in music and like like working at a venue, like I was saying I've been doing is a great way to feel like I'm, I, you know, stay connected. I'm still in the same scene. I'm like helping put on live shows. I'm around people that are touring. Um, and it, it keeps me feeling like I'm in the mix, but also giving me consistent work in those in-betweens when I don't have, have tour gigs. Many people that I know too, that are doing the touring thing are, they find themselves in a similar situation. Like at some point, they need some type of consistency. And then at other points, like that, you know, they're booking tours and then they're like huge tours. So they're getting a fat check. So they can take time off, but they also don't really want to. Um, so it is cool that you're you're able to be fulfilled at a venue. Do you miss the the actual travel part of it? I do sometimes. It depends on the day. And I don't think that I've like done my last tour by any means, but it has been a good reset for me to yeah, just to take a couple months of a break. Um, I think that. The travel is exciting and fun, and I never want to take it for granted. Um, but it is really easily romanticized. And the reality is, like, you're sleeping in a different bed every night. Um, you're in a city for, you know, 24 to 48 hours at a time. And especially when you're tour managing, you are so busy taking care of everybody else all the time. If you're good at your job, that you're not really getting out of the venue and like grabbing dinner with friends or getting a cup of coffee or whatever. So, um, 
I think that it's important to remember that while those like off days maybe that work out in cool places are really fun, if that's the reason people are wanting to get into it, you're never going to be happy because you're not really getting to do any sightseeing. Yeah, that's so real. And if you look at, I mean, for people that maybe aren't like super into the industry that just like think this is cool. If you look at an artist's shows and you like really look at it, they're playing like three shows in a row in three different cities. Like <laughs> once one show is done, you're going to the next one and then you're getting maybe a few hours of sleep in a car. Uh, not the one driving if you can afford a driver or if you can afford a van. Um, so it's it's so much work. And obviously you want the tour to be as short as possible because you don't want to pay for like the hotels and the travel and all that stuff. So yeah, it's crazy. I have a, a a ridiculous amount of respect for, I've never had to do this, thankfully, but for TMs and crew and even just artists and bands that go out as like first of three on arena tours. Because if you think about that with, with routing and how shows are booked, you know, if you're on a tour where the headline artist has seven buses and eight semi trucks and they're just hopping on their bus at the end of the show and getting driven to the next show throughout the night. Like you, if you're opening have to be there to sound check earlier. Normally um, you have, yeah, because of that, you have less time to drive and to sleep. And then you don't have a driver. Like you're not sleeping in your bunk on the bus. You're just like sleeping whenever you can. And so I've just heard that that's like, almost, like one of the most brutal forms of touring and, uh, you know, all that to say when I have an artist like that I love that's opening for somebody and I see that the schedule looks crazy, it makes me even more motivated to want to go out and buy a ticket and support them because I cannot imagine. What uh, like what skills or or maybe what are some roles that someone can get in the meantime before they get to the tour manager position? Yeah, I wish someone had kind of been able to tell me this when I was interested in TMing. I think the most beneficial thing I've done in my experience has been working at a venue in whatever capacity you can. And it's pretty easy for anyone to get a gig as a runner um, and and work their way up or as a stagehand. So if you're more interested in the production side of things, it's, it's important to you know understand different roles and all the different people you're going to be working with. And working at venues and seeing different tours come through and how they operate and what they ask of you at, at the venue um, just gives a lot of insight that you can't really explain on paper or read anywhere. So I think that's a really great thing. And um, I'm working in hospitality and so much of tour managing feels like hospitality, but on the road, you're like taking care of your people. And instead I'm like helping take care of other groups of people that are coming through. Um, And it's actually really similar to a lot of the things I do on the road, just with a different group every night instead of the same one. That's super cool. That's, that's really useful knowledge i worked for venue too i did um like vip and that was that's like was a uh, you know you get to work super close with artists too which i feel like is a lot of the appeal to working music for people so yeah there's definitely so many opportunities i I think you're right like the the torrent venue stuff yeah and even with like wanting to go on tour i think i always say that it's so important to just kind of set yourself up for success by being able to take on as many roles as possible. So I think especially starting out in tour managing, I know you didn't really ask this, but I think it helps with um, people who are interested in getting into it. The smaller the tours are that you're jumping onto for the first time, the more it's like all hands on deck, everyone needs to be able to take on multiple jobs and like wear multiple hats. And that's just kind of the reality of how it works. So if they have somebody that they could hire, you know, let's say they have 
$1,200 a week that they're going to pay someone. And they're like, okay, we can hire this TM or we can hire this TM who also knows how to run merch, um, could shoot some like behind the scenes photo content, whatever. There is a line and like a healthy boundary with not being like overworked or overstretched, but just gaining experience in all these different areas so that you can help out with a lot of different things and take multiple roles on, I think sets you up really well. For real. Yeah. So a lot of independent artists have to kind of be their own poor manager. A lot of our listeners are independent artists themselves. So I'm curious what advice you'd have for an independent artist who might be kind of funding and handling all the logistics of touring. Like what are some key considerations they should should have or have in place? Yeah, I think about that a lot um, on the tours I've been on because I always think about, okay, what would they do if I'm not here? And like, what are they paying me for that I, you know, that they're not able to do or don't have the capacity to do on their own. And, and so on an, another side of that question, um, what you're asking is makes a lot of sense to me. I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not an artist. I don't know exactly what that's like, but I would think it would be the most important to learn how to reach out to venues on your own and just like understand how to read your contracts that your booking agent booked for you. If you can book your own shows even better, but um, you know, I've never booked shows. I always work with a booking agent or a team of booking agents and a little bit of a learning curve was understanding the breakdown of the contracts and deal memos going into a tour, making sure you just like understand what, terms you agreed to um so that you're not getting tricked into uh you know making less money than you're supposed to or if they're charging you a fee at the end of the night you know what to expect or what it's for um that helps you like know your curfew just i think those contracts are really where it all begins and they're really important to like look at and understand um and then if you don't have a manager or you don't have a manager that is familiar with the advanced process, just like not being afraid to reach out to venues with what you do have. So if you have a stage plot and an input list and um, information on what you want on your hospitality rider, just sending that over and having like an open line of communication with all the venues that you're playing shows at is, is important and will always be welcome. And I think aside from that, you know, touring should be fun for artists and the goal is to get to a point where, you know, maybe if you're having to do all the hard stuff at the beginning, you're like learning how to do it well. And then you know what you're asking of someone else in the future so that you can sit back and kind of be hands off and get to enjoy the ride. So the hope is that you, you know, only have to do that once or twice. But I think, I think the contracts and the reaching out to venues and doing the advancing is like the most important stuff. Definitely. That is awesome advice. I know our, the artists listening are going to be super stoked to hear that i think that's literally why when i was telling you that people really wanted to hear from a tour manager i literally think it was mostly artists being like how do i go on tour um so i think that's gonna be super helpful yeah totally and i also think like so many managers like artist managers um that are really good at their jobs know how to step in and take that stuff over and help out towards the beginning of artists careers and i've seen really you know, cool independent artists who maybe barely have a team. They might not have a booking agent. They might not have a TM or like a crew to bring on tour, um, but they have a really solid manager and that makes or breaks, I think, the start of their entire career. So that's also something that's important. Touring obviously is, I mean, wild. We said things pop up crazily, unexpectedly, whether it's good or bad. You totally have some stories. Uh, I want to know, like, what when I even mention that, what comes to your head? Yeah, so... 
Man, the, earlier this year, I was on tour with Arlie and their really sick indie rock band. I actually listened to Arlie in high school and loved their music. So I was a huge fan. And going into this tour, I found out like a week before that there were two support bands on every date. So we had the Sewing Club come out with us and a band called Whitehall. And so between the Sewing Club, Whitehall, Arlie and me, I was the only crew person and everybody else like played an instrument or, or sang or both. Um, and we had three separate vans. Each van had a van, but I kind of ended up tour managing everyone, which was crazy and awesome. And at the time I was... 22. Um, and everyone else was between the ages of 23 and 29. So I was the youngest, but I was in charge of like all these kids my age. And it felt like the most just it was just the most fun tour I've ever been on because we were all really good friends by the end of it. And at one point, kind of halfway through the tour, we all loved seeing each other at shows, but I was traveling with Arlie, you know, Whitehall guys were traveling together. The sewing club was traveling together. So we didn't really see each other outside of the show days. And we were like, oh, like a couple of nights towards the end of the tour, we need to just get like big Airbnbs instead of getting hotel rooms or individual places to stay. So we can all hang out and really spend time together. And I found out that it was Brennan, the bassist in Whitehall's birthday on like one of our off days in between our Portland show and our San Francisco show. And it was like the fifth week of tour. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, we're all such great friends. We have to make his birthday special. He was turning 27 on February 27th. So it was his golden birthday. And we had all talked about just like all these things we wanted to do. And so I flew his, he and this guy, Patty, that are in Whitehall. And they're now some of my best friends. I go visit them in New York sometimes. But they have a roommate named G. And I met G at the New York show towards the beginning of tour. So I call G and I'm like, hey, if I like, if I fly you out to Seattle to surprise Brennan for his birthday and just stay on the road with us for a few dates, can I like hire you to come work merch for a few days? Cause I've been running it by myself. They gave me permission on the West coast to hire local vendors. I'd rather just hire you and have you hop on in the boys van and come on tour with them. He's like, absolutely. So he flies out. We like hide him in the merch trailer, surprise Brennan, finish the Seattle show, play the Portland show. And I have this whole birthday extravaganza surprise where everyone knows that we're stopping at Crater Lake National Park, like right outside of it. And, you know, we're going to throw a party. We got an Airbnb with like a hot tub and we're just so excited to have a day off and celebrate. And um, Whitehall goes ahead and they are probably two hours ahead of us on the road. Sewing clubs probably like an hour and a half, two hours ahead of us on the road. So they're about, they're set to get there at the same time. And we stop in Eugene, Oregon, where I used to live and pick up some extra groceries because we were like, oh, we'll be in the middle of nowhere. We might as well just get stuff and throw it in our coolers right now. And we hit the road like an hour later. So we're probably three hours behind everybody else and get hit by the craziest snowstorm I have ever seen in my entire life. And I'm driving this van and trailer full of our whole Arlie crew. And we're trying to get to this Airbnb before dark. And we get like texts from the Whitehall guys that they made it and they checked in. Then we get texts from the sewing club that they made it. And it's getting dark outside. And it's like literally blizzarding harder than I've ever seen it snow in my entire life. And I'm thinking like, we're going to die. And also we're going to miss the San Francisco show. And we could have just driven down the coast and gone straight to San Francisco. But this is completely my fault because I planned this like out of the way thing. <laughs> and 
So we're going up a mountain in the snow and I'm driving like 20 miles per hour and there's, we're driving up the right side of the road. Right. And there's a cliff, just like a drop off with a guardrail on one side. And then on the other side, there's like this huge snow bank of snow that's piled up and we just hit a patch of ice and spin so hard. I thought we were going to flip over the guardrail, but we land in the snow bank and there's no damage to the van. The trailer like jackknifes completely around and it like, it's like if the trailer's behind the van, it like flips all the way around and slams into the side of the van, but doesn't leave a dent or anything. And we get out and I cried <laughs> and then someone else drove the last 30 minutes and we didn't make it to the Airbnb because we were still two hours away. And we were trapped in a one bedroom lodge for 48 hours with two queen beds in it and a couch. And all six of us, so the five Arley band members and me, like we couldn't leave. No one was plowing the roads. This was like an insane like blizzard that hit last minute. And everybody else was at the Airbnb enjoying the hot tub and hanging out for two days. We had to cancel the San Francisco show. And we were stuck in this weird, sketchy lodge in the middle of nowhere in Chimult, Oregon. And oh. <laughs> that's, that's so it's tough. I, at first, I was going to be like, that's awesome. Like, we, more people need people like you on their teams. Like, that's so kind that you did all of that. And I'm so sorry to hear that that's how it turned out. It's okay. You know, maybe we won't be going above and beyond to try to plan a national park day in February again, but <laughs> you live and you learn. That's it. As soon as you said it, it was his golden birthday. I was like, wow, you are the best. Uh, <laughs> that's darn. Well, I hope they at least enjoyed the Airbnb. They did. And we made it and we all met back up at the LA show and we got him a cake. And I said, this is the best I can do right now. <laughs> That one was a crazy one. I always tell people it was like the best tour I've ever been on relationally because we all got along so well. Like there were no communication issues really or like relational issues with anyone. And it was six weeks long. So usually something comes up where somebody just wants to bite someone else's head off because that's the nature of different personalities. But uh, relationally, that tour was great. Logistically, worst tour I've ever been on because we kept having van breakdowns like every other city and I changed so many tires and got us towed so many times I can't even count but <laughs> it was fun <laughs>